have you ever just thought, I wonder how online influencers actually make their money? Like, what's the business model there? Does a brand just show up on their door with a massive sack of cash and go, hey, you, you're pretty great. You have that cash and you carry on doing what you're doing. I'm sure if you're listening to this, you are probably a very creative person and the idea of someone just kind of showing up to pay you to do what you love is really goddamn appealing. Today, I want to talk about the business model behind online influence and why it's important and how it's translatable to us as VR creatives. We have gotten fancy. Listen to that intro music. Damn, I'm excited. Hello, friends. Welcome back to the Alex Makes VR podcast. For those of you who don't know me, I'm Alex Rule. And as you might have guessed, I make VR. The reason I wanted to start doing these podcast episodes was really because when I started to think about how long it's going to take for VR to take to the mainstream, I thought, do you know what would make this a lot quicker? Is if we all shared our knowledge and if we all pooled our resources to actually make VR a lot more accessible, a lot more adoptable, and also just generally made it a lot easier to make some goddamn money. If every single person that got excited about VR the second that they tried on a headset knew that there was a sustainable way for them to make a living doing uh, something that they loved within the industry, then maybe we would grow a lot faster and it would help the adoption of the technology. So that's basically what this podcast is all about. This podcast is about me sharing my insights. It's also me exploring and learning new topics myself. Um, I happen to be an absolute marketing business, lifestyle, self-development, just general human behavior, psychological analysis like addict. I love exploring all of these big topics. My aim is to translate all of that learning and all of those kind of experiences that I've had um, and will continue to have over the years and translate that into how you can apply some of the lessons from that um, or how we can grow together um, and learn those lessons to apply to this industry, to apply to your own career and business. And hopefully we basically build what will be a thriving virtual reality and immersive entertainment space if entertainment is what you're into. Specifically today, I'm obviously looking at influencer culture. And the reason why I wanted to break down influencer culture and this idea of like the business model behind online influence was really because once you understand how, I want to use my words carefully here, not easy, but how simple and achievable the business model is behind something like being an online influencer. Not that everyone wants to be famous and known or whatever, but the idea behind it, the business model behind it, once you understand that, once you pull back that curtain, all of a sudden you can start to apply that same idea, that same model to your own career. Okay, okay, I know what you're thinking though. Alex, I don't want to be famous. I want to be rich, but I don't want to be famous. And also, bitch, I ain't got 100,000 followers. Me and my 34 followers rocking out on Instagram. Like, how am I going to get that brand money? How am I going to make a sustainable career from being an influencer? 
When you think influencer, who's the first person that comes to mind? You probably think like, I don't know, Kim Kardashian or Jake Paul or someone like that, right? Like multi-bazillionaire with like millions of followers, bit of a dick, live their life in the spotlight. That's kind of the image that you think of when you think influencer, right? But what if, what if I told you that no, 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 my friend, you are in fact already an influencer, What if I told you that when you go to dinner and your mate says, oh, I'm looking at getting a new TV, anyone got any recommendations? And you say, oh, the Samsung 4K smart TV that I invested in, the 49 inch that I'm rocking at home, it has rocked my world, I love it so much, I could not recommend it highly enough, they've got an offer on on Amazon, it was cheap, it was delivered to the door, it was so easy to unpack and put on, it was just, oh, it was just flawless, I couldn't recommend it highly enough. When that friend of yours goes and buys that TV based on your recommendation, that was you being an influencer, You weren't getting paid to be an influencer, but that was you being an influencer. You are already an influencer within your circles, whether that be recommending a film or TV show to watch, whether that be, uh, you know, sending someone a new song that you like to get them to look at, whether it's influencing someone's buying decisions by recommending something like you are already an influencer. So how do you turn that into a business model? How do influencers in the traditional sense, like an online influencer, how does someone make that that full, that their full-time career? Well, the number one thing is understanding that most influencers, the smart ones, the ones that have a solid business kind of model behind them, um, have multiple streams of revenue. They have multiple streams of income. So the average influencer will most likely have money coming in through affiliate sales. So the example I just gave there of you influencing your mate at dinner to buy the Samsung 4K TV, which by the way, hashtag not sponsored, but totally up for it, Samsung, you know where I'm at. Um, (laughs) I was about to make a bad dig about Samsung kind of failing in the VR game, but we won't go there. That's for another episode. So affiliate sales would be if you had uh, an affiliate link to that TV and when you told your mate to go and buy it, they used your specific link and then you would get a percentage of that sale. And actually, if you're if you are uh, an Amazon affiliate seller, then if your mate went on Amazon, bought the TV, but also decided that they wanted a bracket to go with the TV. And actually, I need a new TV stand for this massive TV to fit on. Like, let's say that that sale now came to £1,000 rather than 400 You all of a sudden are making a cut of that whole transaction, not just the TV sale, which is pretty awesome. Um, I'm not personally an affiliate seller. It's probably something I will look into in the future, but it's not something I've... Uh, kind of dived into yet. Um, from what I hear though, uh, you, you can make some pretty decent money that way. So influencers, when they give you a coupon code, when they give you um, a link in the description to, to, to purchase something, obviously that is an affiliate sale. So that's one stream of revenue. Another stream of revenue might be merchandise. So that's a big thing, right? And that's always been a big thing. If there's a band you like, when you go to a gig and you can buy like the t-shirt or you can buy the hat, you buy the mug, whatever it is. So merchandise, huge opportunity in the space of like of influencer culture, huge kind of part of someone's revenue stream. Um, 
there's loads of different ways. Brand deals. So I've got, I don't know, let's say like I'm an influencer that has like 10,000 people that follow me, which is not as important as how many people interact with my content. So let's say I get like, I don't know, let's say I get 500 likes and 300 comments on on photos and things on Instagram or like videos or whatever, that's more reflective of how many people are actually engaging with my content, not the amount of follow account, subscribe account. That is pretty, it's a really poor indicator of whether someone actually has influence. And this is a big trick. I don't know whether um, any of you might have already know this, but a quick way to find out um, whether someone's uh, Instagram followers or YouTube subscribers are fake is to look at the amount of subscriber or follow account and then look at the average number of likes they get on a post. So if someone has 20,000 followers, they should not be getting 10 to 20 likes on a post. Like, I mean, to be fair, Instagram has completely fucked their organic um, algorithm at the moment. So it's very, very difficult to actually get any interaction on your organic post. But still, if you have a subscriber count of 10,000 followers, I mean, I'm not sure what that would translate to, but you should be getting at least 100 likes, if not way more. So if you ever go onto an account that's got like claiming to have tens of thousands or whatever followers and their like count is super low, they've got fake followers. So like I say, when it comes to brands transacting, they will most likely look at the interaction that you're getting rather than your follow account. And this is another reason why it's way more achievable than having hundreds of thousands or millions of subscribers. This is where the term micro-influencer comes in, right? This idea of having a much smaller niche audience that actually engages with you. So brand comes in. Uh, Let's use an example from the VR world. Okay, so let's say Oculus come in and they want to sell the Rift. No, not the Rift, the Quest. They want to sell the Quest. The Quest is a £400 headset. So they might offer you, I don't know, let's say if they offered you £5,000 to do, an, to do a, a brand deal, then they would be expecting for them to make a lot more than 5000 back in headset sales. So you would have to have, God, I really shouldn't have started a maths-based episode without doing a load of maths first or working out my number, should I? But um, you, you can get the picture, right? So a brand comes to you because they want to sell their product. That's all they're doing. That's the only reason a brand wants to interact with an influencer is because they want to get the audience's attention that you have access to as an influencer. Um, so, and they will always want a return on investment. This is why, uh, it's, I, I've worked with several influencers over the years and it always surprises me that a lot of them don't really know how to price their services because to me it seems really obvious but then I've like been in business for myself for um, going on eight, nine years so <laughs> maybe it's something that I've taken for granted but of course like you're looking at how much their product costs whether it's like a subscription to squarespace or whether it's a um yeah like a piece of hardware like the latest uh, insta 360 camera whatever it might be they're looking at the cost of the of of the of the camera or whatever the product that they're trying to sell and they're working out how many sales they could potentially get from your audience and obviously your audience are not necessarily all going to buy that product but 
Um, the idea being that if you've got a niche audience, then they can adjust. Anyway, I'm banging on far too much about that. So you've got that stream of revenue. And then you might have like live events. You might do speaking gigs like off the back of like having your influence. So that could also bring in revenue. So one of the key things here um, is obviously you've got like digital products and eBooks and normal books, whatever it might be. Basically like the, the idea, the, the business model in short behind an influencer is that they have diversified streams of income. So how can we apply that? How can we think about that in terms of VR creatives? This is something I've really been thinking about recently because I think this is how all big companies operate, not just influencers, but if you think of like Disney, and I might've talked about this in a previous episode, but Disney make the majority of their money from the merchandise. They make more money on frozen dresses and frozen like princess dolls than they do on the actual ticket sales to see the film or the actual download sales on video on demand. You know, they, they make far more money on the merchandise and on the brand equity that Frozen has than they do on the actual film itself. So the film almost becomes a marketing piece for the wider brand. So I've been thinking about this a lot in terms of my next VR project, Bad News, because I re- I'm really excited about the piece, don't get me wrong. But I really, really want people to see it. And one of the biggest problems we have as VR creatives is getting to audiences, right? Because it's difficult because people don't own VR headsets and there's not that many places where you can go to experience VR. And why would uh, a venue or a location like take a bet on opening something like um, a VR cinema when they're not sure if an audience is going to come? So when, now I'm thinking about bad news and now I'm thinking about, okay, well, I've probably got about a year to, until we're anywhere close to releasing this project because we're not technically going into production until the new year, like 2021. So how can I go about building, not even, I don't really care about building, like being an influencer, but how can I build a group of people that really care about the about the idea, that really care about the characters, that really care about the process of making it. How do I get people to show up so that when I actually put the piece out into the world, people will like, want to see it, people will travel to come and see it, instead of relying on just kind of relying on festivals or relying on just showing up at a venue and hoping people show up just because it's something new and cool to try. Like, how do I make people care about the bad news idea and the bad news IP, let's say? So this all comes back again to that influencer, like kind of model, right? It comes back to essentially the advertising model. Like, how do you, if, if that is the product, how do I get people, how do I get people to it? How do I get eyeballs on it? If, if, if bad news is that almost in this scenario, it's kind of like, I'm in, that, in this breakdown, I'm the influencer and bad news is the product that I'm trying to sell. Um, and sell feels like, I know sell kind of feels a bit icky and it can feel a bit like, oh, you know, um, selfish almost. But really, I like, I just want people to see it. I want it to be out in the world. I want it to make impact. I want people to connect with it. I want people to question their own world beliefs after seeing a piece through the eyes of this character that I'm really passionate about. So 
That's why I think it's really important to look at that diversification. So how am I thinking about translating that over to my VR creative? Okay, well, firstly, I'm going to document the journey. I'm going to talk about the project way before the project comes out. I want to like, I want to talk about the ins and outs. I want to get your feedback on it. I want you to want to spread the word. I don't want to, I'm not going to ask you to spread the word, but I want you to want to spread the word. Reminds me of that scene in Friends, you know, like when Monica's like, um, I don't want you to do the dishes. I want you to want to do the dishes. It's like, it's like, I'm like, you know, I don't want to have to kind of like go out and pay for Facebook ads to like drive people to buy tickets for this thing. I want people to actually genuinely care about it. So maybe I need to diversify my approach, right? Maybe I need to have multiple streams of bringing people into the project. Um, so maybe I might look at, okay, well, what's a different format that we could do it in that would kind of like, what would be the equivalent of like the frozen princess's dress for my VR project that could bring people in? What could be like the companion digital series that would drive people to want to engage with the VR experience? And it's hard, right? Because we're all indie creators. We don't have mass amounts of budget. You know, often pretty much every single original project I've ever made in my career, I've had to like hustle and like beg, borrow and steal like to get made into the world. So the idea of having to like build this almost like franchise likeness around an IP is pretty scary. But I've started to realise that actually we need to be looking at a model that works and works very, very well and kind of try and unpick it to translate it over. So how could you apply this to yourself, to you as a VR creator? So maybe it's not even like you, I mean, for me, it's all about thinking about this next project, but you might just think like you in general or your next piece of like, or trying to get kind of some revenue in so that you can actually just sustain your um, lifestyle in order to be a full-time VR creator. Maybe you're looking at kind of switching gears and like wanting to get out of what you're currently doing and want to like deviate Uh, dive deep into this and I know obviously in in pretty much the last 31 days of my podcast or like if you're listening to this um you know beyond when I'm first releasing it then that initial 31 day challenge that I did in July 2020 looking at all the different aspects of business and career advice mostly I was focusing on client facing work right that's the quickest and easiest way to be able to sustain yourself as either a self-employed or a business owner person in the VR industry. But what about this new model? What about looking at how do we take the learnings from the Instagram, the kind of, not the Instagram, sorry, the, the influencer model and apply it to our own practice? I want to end by kind of giving you a summary about a really famous essay that was written on this topic. And if you've not read it, I highly recommend, I'm going to paraphrase it now, but you should definitely go and look at the original article. It's called A Thousand True Fans by Kevin Kelly. And the theory is that all it takes is a thousand true fans. Imagine if you had a thousand people in your network or a thousand people just in your life in general, family, friends, general people, thousand, just a thousand, a thousand that would be willing to part with 10 pounds, 10 pounds a month, that's all. You'd have 10,000 pounds at the end of each month. 10,000 pounds 
from a thousand people, all of a sudden, it starts to feel really achievable, doesn't it? We think about these influencers and we think about, you know, if they're doing it well, if they're kind of, you know, with all their hundreds of thousands and millions of followers, just think, I mean, definitely not getting £10 a month from every single one of those people following them. But all it takes is a... Can you imagine having 10 grand a month for doing what you love? Like, you don't even need 10 grand a month, do you? Like, let's say the average person needs, like, five grand a month. So that's 500 people that pay £10 a month. What could you do? What could you sell what what piece of kind of original work or or something could you put out into the world that would generate 10 pound a month from 500 people i mean even as i'm saying it out loud i'm like damn like i'm in the wrong game <laughs> like i need to really think about this because how that feels so crazy achievable right it feels like almost there's this like mystery shrouded around kind of being a self-sustaining artist or working on your own projects that makes it feel really unachievable. There's this idea of like, oh my God, imagine living a life where you could just do what you wanted and get paid to do that. But actually, £10 from 500 people, that is so achievable. Now, of course, it's not easy. It's simple, but it's not easy. That's a massive distinction. And to build enough of an audience, to engage with enough people so that 500 people really gave a shit about you, really gave a shit about what you were doing. Because that's the thing. It's like not just everyone's just going to give you a tenner, not just like a casual person that occasionally likes your photo on Instagram. They're not going to give you a tenner. But the people that really care about you, the people that think about that, think about the work that you do. Think about the fact that you've probably got at least 10 people in your life that would give you a tenner a month, right? If you provided enough value, if you gave them, if you offered them a product or a service that was like, that was, uh, that was so good. I mean, to be fair, actually, this kind of is, is really reminiscent of the first episode that I did of the 31 day challenge called the dreamlining exercise. Um, and I think the title of that episode is the most important thing you need to do before starting a business or something like that. And, um, in that episode, I talk about the idea of like looking at what your dream life would be, breaking down how much money you would need for that life, and then reverse engineering your career or your business around it, um, breaking that down into things like day rates or the amount that you amount of days that you would work um, a month, and therefore that would give you an idea of how much to charge clients and things. But what if, what if you actually went directly to the people in your circle that actually gave a shit about you and gave a shit about the work that you were doing? What if you could tap into people that actually cared about the same things as you? All of a sudden, that seems so achievable, right? A thousand true fans. When we think about making it as an artist or making it as a creative person, like self-sustaining, we think that we need hundreds of thousands of people to see us, but we don't actually. Actually... Fuck them. Fuck the O2 Stadium, not the O2 Stadium, the Wembley Stadium-sized amount of people that vaguely know of you but don't really care about you. We, you don't want that. We don't want that. You just need a thousand people who really care, who really want you to succeed, who really, who will really want to kind of, to help support you and who actually will really enjoy and get a lot of value from what you do. And that's what this all comes down to, right? Downs? Downs to? This is what it all comes down to. It's like, are you offering value? 
with an influencer, I guess like in the traditional sense, they are either sharing information or they are building like a relationship with their audience where they feel like they're mates. Um, but what could you do? Like, is your art saying something about a specific subject or a specific niche? Or, off, or are, you, are you offering like something cool and unique? Like I've definitely 100%, I've got this cool um, t-shirt that I bought from Zara like ages ago. And it's like a, like a kind of limited edition uh, VR print. It's so cool. I love it so much. And I've, I've always thought it's really annoying because they, they kind of uh, disappeared. I was, I was going to buy another one, but they disappeared before I got a chance to buy a second one. They're so cool. And I just thought like, I love this. I love wearing this. I'm proud to wear this. I'm proud to be a part of this industry. I'm proud to be a part of this tribe. I'm proud for people to like see this really cool t-shirt that like shows this interest that I have, that this passion that I have for this industry and go, and it's a conversation starter. I've had so many conversations with people that are like, hey, cool t-shirt. What is that? And I'm like, oh, it's VR. Like I actually, yeah, I, I work in VR. Like, and the conversations that kind of spiral out from that. It's really cool. And I've thought, I want to make some more t-shirts like that because that t-shirt is, is like, it's not like a cringy, it's not like wearing an Oculus t-shirt. No offense, Oculus, but do you know what I'm saying? It's like a cool proud to wear bit quirky original unique top like I'd be super proud to wear that and if someone was offering that within the VR space and I knew that if I bought that t-shirt that would then support them I would 100% do it so again it's thinking about like what could you offer that's not necessarily just your VR product your project like your film or your experience or your art installation or your game whatever it might be maybe it's thinking more about um what are some other things that people love in general in life and they just happen to uh, share the same passion as you? Like, how could you translate that over? I don't know. This feels like, I felt like I had a really clear, concise idea of what I I wanted to talk about in this episode. I feel like I've hit on some big things, some big themes. I hope that it's translated over and that the comparison I'm trying to make between like a model that is very, actually very, very simple... Um, and I hope I've, I've kind of touched on how we can potentially think about translating that over to ourselves. And also, I hope I've demystified the idea of how achievable it is to make money doing what you love. And it's not easy. I've been working for myself for like eight to nine years, like since I graduated at 21. Like I've been working for myself for all those years and I've not managed to do it. Like <laughs> I'm like, you know, I'm still on this journey myself too. Like, and I think part of it is actually giving yourself the permission to try, give yourself that permission to um, to actually believe that what you're doing is worthwhile and is, is something that those 1,000 or 500 people that really care about you and really follow you and, and, and follow your projects and are, want to support you, but also are getting value from what you do. So part of it is giving yourself permission to ask those people for help or, or um, know that you're giving enough value to, in order to go for that exchange. Um, and I think we're not very good at that as creatives. We are full and plagued of self-doubt a lot of the time about... <laughs> you know there's definitely an episode coming about imposter syndrome for sure um but we need to be better at it because there is so much there's so much money in the world and we all we all spend money on such dumb shit 
Like, if one of my friends was like, hey, you know, if you gave me £10 a month, realistically, that would help, that would go a long way in order to help me, like, sustain and be able to make... I mean, this is literally why Patreon exists, because it's like, it allows people to actually carry on doing and thriving in the way. I I spend £10 on, like, the stupidest shit. I would, like, way rather that actually go to someone. So, I don't know, I'm ranting now, so I'm going to stop. But... I hope that this has been interesting and I hope that this is something that you maybe not had thought about before. And if you did think about it, I hope it helped to re-engage the, the discussion and maybe bring to light a couple of new points. Just remember that you are an influencer. Make sure that when you do tell that mate to buy that Samsung TV, you tell them to hold off until you can get your Amazon affiliate link live, yeah? <laughs> so that's it for this episode of the Alex Makes VR podcast. I hope you enjoyed it. If you did, I would love to hear from you. Please reach out on social media. I'm Alex Makes VR on Instagram and Twitter. Uh, If you've got any kind of feedback or any questions or any subjects you want me to tackle in future episodes uh, and you don't want to send it over a DM, send it over an email, old school, alexmakesvr at gmail.com. And every day when these episodes go live, uh, I'm going to be sending out an uh, an, an email newsletter that gives you a bit of an inside scoop on some of the things I talk about, some of the tips and tricks and the key takeaways from these episodes, and also just give you a little nudge to remind you that they're live. If you want to sign up for that newsletter, you can go to alexmakesvr at gmail.com. And finally, finally, the final ask, I promise, if you are listening on Apple or Spotify, please go ahead and subscribe or follow, whichever it is. If you can give it a rating, I know that that's more of like an Apple podcast thing. Please give it a rating. Um, however many stars you <laughs> you want. I'm not begging for five stars here. Only give it five stars if you actually believe that it is five star worthy, but it would mean the world to me if you took five seconds out of your day to do that, if you've got any value from this episode. I feel like I'm a sucker for punishment signing up to do these every single day but I just can't help it I just love talking about this stuff so on that note have a great day wherever you are in the world and I will see you tomorrow